Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Frank Brennan. Frank is warm and naturally funny without meaning to be, intelligent and obviously passionate about music and his career. We talk about his 31 years as a teacher, what it was like to compete in music festivals with his family when he was younger, and we even talk about the books he likes to read, which makes my heart extra happy. I only wish you could see Frank's facial expressions when my mic picked up something loud. Absolutely priceless. On with the show. Okay, perfect. So uh, welcome, Frank Brennan, to Sarnia oh. Famous. Thanks, Dallas. Thanks for, for being here. Just before we got started, you were expressing concern about your content or potential content. And I was I was going to say, and I'll say it now, I'm delighted to have you here because music oh. is something that is like witchcraft to me. So like being able to read music and play music and all those things. So I personally am super excited to talk to you about that. So don't oh, no worry. problem. I'm glad to be here. And if I can answer some music questions besides other things, that's fine too. Perfect. Perfect. So usually what I like to open up with is uh, saying how, if I have had the chance to work with the guest, in what capacity? So um, you were, is it music director? Is that the title? Is that the correct yep. title? Uh, for Wizard of Oz, which was right. my, my very first musical. I didn't okay. have to sing, thank goodness, for <laughs> everyone's sake. But uh, so that was how we worked together. And I can remember, speaking of witchcraft, I remember being so concerned because there were a few of my lines that were very important for your you guys right. and I can remember screwing them up a few times and thinking oh god what are they gonna do and like oh. I say witchcraft it was magical <laughs> you guys figured it out and it was seamless yeah. and nobody but, knew well I was going through in my head too because the shows I've done has Dallas ever worked with me before I'm thinking because <laughs> this is going to be really embarrassing if I don't remember her but I wasn't the music director for Wizard of Oz oh no I was just uh Adam Forstall was Oh, right, right, right. He was music director. He taught everything, and I came in at the end and just conducted the band. Right. So I didn't know everybody's name. Right. So now I don't feel bad. Now I did know, and I did know that I've had him on the show, and we actually talked about that partnership that you had. And I I guess in my mind I thought it was like a shared title, that you were both. No, I really didn't have anything to do with the teaching. Oh, okay. So my... Primary expertise is actually instrumental music. Okay. So that's why we talked together, and he asked me if I would conduct the band, which in case would also conduct the um, the ensemble. Okay, so conductor was more the yeah. That was that my you... title for that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I don't know. I don't know nothing. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Well, well, that's on. That's I'll say it's somewhat unusual. Not just the fact, but I like the way it works. Because sometimes I really like conducting. I like the instrumental part. Sometimes, and I do like the teaching too, but every now and then you need a teaching break. So what is it about the teaching piece that um, maybe you feel like you need a little break every once in a while? Um, well, I taught music for 20, uh, 31 years, oh, wow. so, and I didn't mind it, but every now and then, like when you do a musical, as well, say for Theatre Center, for example, so if we're doing Wizard of Oz, we start in January, go to whatever it was, say, or February to May, for example, and then... You know, that's a long stretch of three rehearsals a week. And I'd already done, if I'm not mistaken, some other shows. I'd done producers. I had done a previous Christmas show. So I'd done about three shows in a row. So I needed a break from that. You know, and plus, my wife appreciated the fact that I was not out as much, too. (laughs) At least she knew where you were when you were out and about. 
That's true. She did. She did. Yeah. <laughs> so 31 years of teaching music, that is quite the accomplishment. And I love that you just said, I didn't mind it. You did it for 31 years. I just hope you oh, didn't it mind great. it. <laughs> no, I really, lo I loved it. I loved my career. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. I was trying to, this now we're getting a little bit of history, but when I was in, I'm from Newfoundland and we graduate after grade 11, at least when I was going there. Oh. So I was talking to someone and he happened to be at the university in Newfoundland, but there was no music program there. But I talked to him and he said, he doesn't, because my second choice is accounting. Uh, so <laughs> don't laugh. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> so he said to me, he doesn't know many music teachers who get up in the morning and say they're going to work. And that stuck with me ever since he told me that. And that's oh. when I was 16. So, oh. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, rarely was it work. I, I just, I, forgive me for laughing. It just seemed like such, if there were two night and day things, accounting and music, because accounting num numbers is another thing that baffles me. Hmm. And I, I guess I assume there's certain personalities that go with the two, but is music that mathematic, mathematical that the two actually Some are of on? it is. Yeah, the, the theory part of music is, well, it's not necessarily mathematical, but the thought process are very similar. Mm -hmm. So I was really good at theory. I wasn't as good at history, but I, mean, I didn't like it as much, but I was really good at theory. So, but because I can think in that logical manner, then the math and the music went together really well. And you'll find that there's a number of musicians who are really good at math. For example, Adam Forrestal, I believe, well, I know he's working in a scientific field now, but his undergrad degree was music with a, either a chemistry double major or a chemistry minor, one or the other, Wow. I, I think. Yeah. So, so just, it works that way. Just lots of brains yeah. required. So I wouldn't, describe my, yeah, I wouldn't my, describe myself as the creative musician, but that's, that's me. I'm not a good composer or that kind of thing. Okay. I mean, to me, even just being able to play music or hear music or understand music, there's a creative element. And oh, yeah. Perhaps I shouldn't discount accounting. Maybe there's some, well, there are some creative accountants creative. out there. <laughs> That's true. But so they're, they're all in jail. No. <laughs> no. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, the, like that thought process, plus one of my strengths, which is also one of my weaknesses, is that I can process things really fast. It's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because I've made some bad decisions. But sometimes you need to think quickly in your feet when you're conducting musicals. Sometimes things go wrong on stage. And you got to change things. you got to react quick. What am I, I going to do? And you figure that out in your head really fast and you go. And how does that work? Because it's one thing to, to do that for yourself. But when you're conducting a group of other people, mm -hmm. how does that translate? Well, sometimes when we were live in the pit as opposed to in a separate room at the, at the theater, sometimes you're actually leaning down below the stage level and yelling out what bar we're at. Wow. And it, in the other room, it's a little easier because, well, the people aren't right behind you and you get away with it a little bit more, but I've had to do it. And then there's also times I've made mistakes. I remember once and I felt so bad, it was doing Beauty and the Beast. And I had, sometimes in the last show of the runs, people tend to get a little creative. So I gave them a little bit of a warning about that, but then we're doing the second act and I'm waiting and they're doing it and I go, what's going on? And I was getting kind of mad, and they were getting kind of mad. And finally, we went on. I missed their cue. Oh. I didn't hear it. So, you know, after me giving this speech about <laughs> focusing, I'm the one who missed the cue. It, happens, it was okay. I guess every, yeah. it happens to everybody yeah. eventually. Yeah. Can you tell me, I know someone has, I know I've heard the reason or the story, but I'm wondering if you can refresh my memory as to why 
the orchestra pit was changed to the other room? A couple of reasons. One is they need more stage space. If we did it properly, the whole front of the stage would be open, not just the box where the conductor sticks his head out. So we need that stage space. Then even the four feet where I stick, four square feet where I stick my head up, they need that space too. Plus with the instruments all down there, they have to mic them all anyway. So they thought it would give people a little more room. And so they put us in the other, the other room and go from there. I still prefer to be in the pit and conducting live, but I can see why there's an advantage to be in another room, but still I'd like to be in a proper pit, but we don't have the room for a proper pit. It's really crowded down there too. I've had 13 players in there and there's nowhere to move. I think when we did spam a lot, there was three keyboards, uh, two trumpets. It was just crowded, really crowded. So. And so you say that in order for it to be proper, it needs to be open? What does that mean? Well. Well, if you go to see a, a show, say, in Toronto at Murphy, one of the Murphy theaters, if they're using a pit, then the whole pit is open in front of the stage. So if I went down to the railing, I could look down and see the people okay. playing. Whereas, the, you know, at the theater sometimes, when we got to the point, all that would be opening was the head part for the conductor. Everybody else is under the stage. But so is it for the sake of the audience so they can enjoy looking at the, the orchestra? Or is it more about sound? I think it's sound. Okay. Now they still mic those people now in the you know in the professional ones. Everybody's mic'd. In fact, oh. every single musician I believe has his own. They use headphones and they all have their own mix, so they can turn on. I want to hear this particular thing more. I want more drums. I want more mm. percussion. I mean, per, no, sorry, more bass. So they can control what they hear. Each musician, plus the fact a lot of shows are now running on click tracks, so you hear tuck 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 tuck. And that will go through the musicians' headphones to keep them all together, especially if you have to time up, time things on stage with what's happening on stage. But we're not that we don't we haven't got to the click track point yet. Oh, okay. Uh, Theater Sarnia, but some of the big the pro shows use it. I have so many questions right now. I'm like, ah, I'm trying oh, to process it no all. Um, the only problem is if I can remember it all and frantically writing stuff down. Um, so, what is it uh, about being in the pit that you you prefer? The connection with the performers. Okay. It's like they're right in front of me and so on. And, you know, we don't have a camera. It's not like the same if there's a camera on me and they're looking at two screens on the balcony to see what I'm doing in a different room. I like that connection. Yeah. It is but, kind of a weird ghostly thing when you're on the stage and, and you look up and there's your head at the end yeah. of the... You know, that is kind yeah. of a weird thing. So I could see that if it you is. were 10 yeah. feet away and you could look mm -hmm. actually in the person's eyes... Yeah. Hmm. And I think we've solved the issue, but sometimes in the past, there's been a, I think it's producers, there was a lag between what I heard and what I saw. There was, I mean, it's only a fraction, but enough that when they were doing dancing, I couldn't watch. So singing wasn't so bad, but when they were doing dancing, I couldn't watch the screen. Because it would mess you up. Because it threw me off. Yep. But I think we fixed that. Huh. And how, okay, in terms of the miking, like I know as an actor, like I hate the mics. I'd much rather, and granted I'm not a singer, but I would much rather project than mm -hmm. have the stress of the microphone. Is mm -hmm. that kind of the same with instruments? Partially. So let's say we're doing it in the pit, like live, and those covers were on the stage. It's really muffled because all the sound from the instruments is coming out of a four foot square spot. Mm -hmm to the audience. So it has to be mic just for clarity mm. or everything's really muffled. Okay. And that's 
another reason to go to the back room because every all of the musicians can spread out a little bit and everybody has their own mic it's and there's not one mic like the trumpet player's mic is not picking up a different instrument oh there's no bleeding of the mics yeah but as far as the actors having mics i think when it comes to a play i think it's partially for the audience because mm. if the act you know like you said if you can project you can project you can reach it but you know i think it's for the you know some of the people need a little bit of aid in hearing i think that might the mics do that as far as singing goes i used to do the polysar glee club which was a group that did musicals back in the well be, i started with them in 94 and it was before that they didn't use mics at all so when we were playing in the pit we were in front of the stage not below the stage directly in front so we always had to play really quietly so the actors could be heard and i'm sure things were lost so i like the idea of the microphones just to make things a little bit easier for the actors they don't have to room their voices to sing you know and not everybody's on ethel merman these days so ethel merman sang on broadway with no mics well not everybody's that way true so then just circling back to to teaching because again, that's such a marvel. Thirty-one years. So, what what kind of what what did that look like? What kind of teaching did you do? For the first two years, I taught a, just a classroom. It wasn't music. Then I taught music halftime, and this is all elementary school. And then I taught three years of music elementary up until for my first seven years. And then I moved to St. Pat's, and I taught there for seven years, instrumental music and also a little guitar, which I didn't really play. So I was about one class ahead of the students. I even taught strings one year. And I had to go to a violin teacher, show me how to play so I can teach the strings. <laughs> so, and then um, seven years St. Pat's. And then when St. Christopher opened, I moved there. And that's where I finished. So I was 17 years maybe at St. Christopher, I think. So, uh, yeah. And most of that was instrumental music and a few other things. So you said I was, most of the time I was one class ahead of the students. Uh, so obviously you must still be very capable of learning new instruments and stuff if you can do it on the fly. Well, um, this was only guitar and strings. Instrumental I was pretty good at. But no, guitar and strings I was basically saying a little bit ahead. And because I knew music i could figure out what the chords should feel like or look like when they're playing i just couldn't change chords fast enough that was my and i still can't i've tried i just can't change chords on guitar at all it's so hard I'm you gotta failure. move your hands yeah. all yeah i know i'm a failure at guitar Same but, uh, <laughs> we should make a club <laughs> but, and violin you know i knew what sounded good and that's the main thing if you know what sounds good and you have some understanding of what the instrument can do you can do it i this was you know, a fairly beginning class for strings. But if you asked me to conduct grade 12 string players, I would be able to teach them the technique. So I wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be something I could do. So then um, what made you decide to to get involved with, with theater music? Let's see, where did it start? Uh, about 1993-94, I had played in the Polystar Glee Club shows in the pit. And then they, uh, Ken Ear, who was the uh, music director of the Polytech Glee Club and also a music consultant for the separate school board. Uh, he was retiring, so they asked me to take over conducting the Polytech Glee Club, and that would have been my first musical, 1994, I believe, or three, The Music Man. That was the first one I conducted, and that's where the musical thing started. I'd played in musical, musicals before. I'd never actually conducted one before. And so I started in 94. I was with them for a while. Actually, no, a couple of years before that, uh, Blue Water Musical Productions, Gord Crooks, they asked me to do a couple of their shows, and I did Peter Pan and Wizard of Oz back then. Then I went to the Polysorg D Club, and then eventually they changed their focus. 
And then I did some musicals at school at St. Christopher. And then I ended up doing some shows for Theater Senior. So it's always been there. And like my whole family's been involved with music since I was a kid. So it's not, music's not something new. Um, I should say, uh, I'm going to edit it out, but there was a, a fire truck that just went by and I could see it in your face. <laughs> you could hear it and you're looking around like, what? Yeah, good thing this isn't video, yeah. <laughs> uh, you handled that very well, though, cause, but I could see in your eyes, like, wait a minute, there's that sound again. Yeah, I got um, to realize it's not me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Your face is priceless, though, when that happens. Oh, well, that's one thing people have remarked. I can get, I'm usually pretty laid back, but I have, they, they make fun of some of the faces I make when we're conducting, when I'm conducting shows, if oh, something really? doesn't sound right. Oh, yeah, oh. they make fun of my faces. So very expressive. And, it can uh, be at times. <laughs> so you're, you're not a very good poker player, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know. I just I want people to know that there's something wrong, but sometimes it's just I don't want everybody to know in the group. So I might look at somebody and give them a <laughs> bit of an eye, and they know that I know, and then we can go on from there. Fair enough. I think that's got to be a skill, especially if you you know you've got a whole group of people in front of yeah. you, and you gotta yeah. you gotta communicate those messages without shaming that person. I think that's yeah, fantastic. That's true. Yeah, I try not to do that. So the whole family, you were saying, uh, was mm -hmm. very musical. What did that look like growing up? Oh, kind of crazy because I have five sisters and a brother. Oh, wow. And they're all, and they're all younger than me. So uh, I would say out of the seven of us, five of us have music in our career some way. So I'm a, I was a music teacher. I have below me, there's a set of twins. One of them is a music teacher. One was a French teacher, but she taught music privately. Then there's another sister, and she doesn't need music. My brother is a... Um, he teaches conducting at Memorial University in Newfoundland. And my youngest sister is also a music teacher. But five of the girls, there's five girls, they all sang in this choir called Lady Cove, oh, which has cool. actually won the Canadian Choral Competition twice. So it's a pretty high-end choir. Now, four of them still sing it at one took a break. But they all sing in this choir together. And my brother directs a jazz band in St. John's. And my sister plays in the symphony. So we, we grew up with music all around the house. So it would just be just a lot of singing and instruments and that kind of oh, thing yeah. all the time? Yeah, we all played piano and one other instrument. And sometimes sometimes the family would go into the music festival as the family group. Okay. So it would be the Brennan family. And my dad was a singer. My mom, not so much a singer, but she did play piano. But my dad was a singer in church choir for 50 years. So And wow. he used to play violin when he was in high school. So, so you would go into competitions as a family? Yeah. Oh my God! Tell me more about that. Yeah. That sounds so cool. Well, it's like the music festival here, except in Newfoundland, it was run by the Kiwanis. Yeah, so you'd enter the the family class, and there'd be two or three other families as well. In fact, I think have you ever heard Tom Harrington do the CBC News? I, the I name sounds very familiar, yeah. and I well, love CBC. His fam yeah, he's from Newfoundland. His family would have been in that class as well, because he had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was five or six Harringtons besides him. Cool. And you guys all got along like your siblings are like a whole herd of you and you weren't fighting or anything like that? Well, I'm not saying there was never any fight. It <laughs> helped me It helped me being the oldest. That's really an advantage. Yeah, no, I mean, we had our fights, but musically we didn't. <laughs> and normally because of our, our ages, except for the family thing, we didn't do a lot of other music things together. Maybe playing the band or something like that, the oh, school okay. band or something. 
Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I, I have a, a bunch of siblings too, and I just can't I can't picture <laughs> coordinating something like that. But that's really neat. Yeah. Well, see, between my, me and my youngest sister, is only nine years, so it's not a big spread. No, that's really not when there's seven of you. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, do you have just completely switching gears? Do you have a favorite musical that you've worked on? Yeah, for a long time, my favorite musical was Guys and Dolls. Oh, yes. It's yes. been described as the perfect musical, and it's really good. So I've played it twice. I've conducted it twice, I think. We did it in university, and that's the first time I played it. So it's a great show to do, and a lot of interesting characters and good, you know, with Nathan Detroit and Adelaide, and then you have Sarah and Sky. You know, it, there's a lot of fun in that show. And we did that. That was the first, was that, I think it was either the first or second musical we did at St. Christopher okay. when we started doing musicals. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's number two in my, on my list. Yeah. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors is number one. But uh, I've conducted that too. But, and actually, my number one for watching is Les Mis. Oh, it, it makes watching. me cry. Well, and much. Guys and Dolls. So both of, both of those are my favorites. Tie? Yeah, it's a tie. So what is it about Guys and Dolls that makes it the perfect musical? I think the writing, which who's a Frank Lesser wrote it. The writing, the the characters. It was based on a book by Damon Runyon, so they had a, and uh, so it had all these characters, and there was three, you know, they're gamblers, and then the the gangster type people, and then the mission people, and it's just, and the music is great, especially the revival. I think the '92 or '93 revival had some. They updated some of the tunes, and luckily, when I was doing the show, I was able to see it. I met the music director, and he gave me some music to use. So I rewrote some of the parts that we got because you get the standard version and you're not supposed to change it. So he got, this guy gave me the overture and another piece and uh, we used that. It was, it was really cool. That's really neat. Um, you yeah. said a magic word to me just now. You said book. I did not know that it was based on a book. I'm a, a librarian by day. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you said that, I did not know that, that it was based on I, a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but I know Damon Runyon wrote it. I am going to look into that. I, read, I knew you were a librarian. I heard that in one of the podcasts. So oh, okay. Cool. So you knew yeah, to throw, like, throw a book in there every yeah. now and then. Because <laughs> I read all the time. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. What kind of stuff do you like to read? Mm, spy stuff, mystery spy stuff, detective stuff. stuff. So, Historical fiction. It's so like a Clive Cussler type thing? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm in a book club. A friend of mine who I hadn't seen in 35 years started a book club online with Zoom. So she was in Ottawa. I was here. We sort of reconnected. So I saw her for the first time this summer in 35 years. But that's got me into a different genre of books. For example, uh, School of Blue Thread, The Dutch House, which are not typically what I read. Mm-hmm. Like the last one I think we talked about, which is pretty different, A Song for Achilles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was the last one. So they're a bit out there. No, well, out there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's, it's not what you would normally read. That's to me. Right. That's the beauty of a book club. Um, I've yeah. been in several over the years, and I that's the same. It, whoever's in the book club um, brings something different to the table, and yeah. it exposes you to new things. Kind of in a pressure mm-hmm. situation where you either you don't if you don't read it and you show up to the meeting, you don't know what you're talking about. That's kind of right. unpleasant. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, gonna have to fake it. But I've always, yeah. My problem is I read it so fast that by the time we have book club, I'd forget a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. So fast, fast reader. Hmm. I guess that was a little bit of an aside, but um, I just love hearing what people like to read too, because yeah. sometimes you want, like if I were to make a guess on what you, what you read, I would think that you read something to do with music because 
to me, you're 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 the music guy. You're like the yeah. guy to go to. But you like well, spy stuff, historical. Oh yeah, fiction. detective so cool. stuff. Yeah, young. Yeah, I don't like science fiction. Okay. Never. Don't, don't like that fiction. at all. Okay. But I like the everything else. I like. I'll read almost anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Especially if you read fast. I read like. And I grew turtle. up reading so. It's funny, though, because English was my least favorite subject, but I love to read. Okay. And who knows? I don't huh. know why. Well, I mean, it, t English class is more, uh, like, it can be more theory-based and all that kind of thing. You're yeah. learning to write, and the reading is really mm -hmm. only the, the teeny part of it. Anyway. <laughs> so then, favorite musical would be to work on with Guys and Dolls. Is there one that you haven't gotten to work on yet that you would like to? There's a lot. I mean... There are some that I know that are in the works that I can't mention, mm. so <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. But I enjoy the one we're working on now. Okay. There's the plug, Something Rotten. I oh, really yeah, like yeah. that. So Something Rotten is going to be open May 20th. And what I like about this one is there's, it's similar in concept a bit to Spam a lot, which is the Monty Python one, which I conducted seven years ago. So I like it. And the good thing about this, if people are going to go, you almost have to go twice because I'm starting... I hear jokes now and things now, even though I've been doing it for two months, that I didn't pick up on right away. Because with Something Rotten, the composers and authors alluded to a whole bunch of other Broadway musicals. Oh. So you'll hear two bars of Guys and Dolls or two bars of Jesus Christ Superstar or a little bit of uh, chorus line. Okay. And then you hear that, and then you're, sing, you're playing along, you're conducting along, and all of a sudden, oh, there's that one too. And some of them are written in the parts, but some of them you just got to pick up. So... It's going to be a cool show, and I hope people go see it. Not only once, but twice. I think that, that what an yeah, excellent... Yeah, that'd be a good idea. You should be getting some kickbacks from the Imperial yeah, for that. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Like, I've seen musicals twice. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, saw, like, I think I saw it like this four times. But that's some... Oh, let's go see the show. So we went. But, uh, no, I go see others as well. And sometimes I get to see them, and my wife wants to go see them later, because I took say my school kids when we did a band trip every year we go see a bunch of shows and then she said oh, i'd like to see that one too so we go again yeah but. there's i definitely especially i think <laughs> i'd be more inclined to see a musical more than once than than a regular play depending I'm on the play a, yeah i haven't been to too many what i'm going to say broadway plays i've been to plays at theater center and things like that but i actually my wife and i have subscriptions to mervish so we've seen more plays in the past oh. several years like we just saw room two mm -hmm. weeks ago mm -hmm. so and that was amazing so then maybe some ticket sales uh kick off kickbacks from them too we'll just get you some i don't know well yeah room was in toronto it was the first one yeah. that they had in the series this year mm -hmm. you know i don't have you read the book yes yeah okay so yeah. the play version's sort of a i guess um she used the screenplay because it was a movie as a basis for the play but the play's done in a different way it's really really good i'd recommend that for sure so what do you think it is about um, seeing a musical more than once that is appealing? If you see different productions of the same musical, mm. they can change. You know, for example, some operas this year, I mean, some operas in general are sometimes set in modern times, even though the opera is written in the 1700s. Mm. Like Shakespeare can be staged with modern dress, etc. But everybody's speaking Shakespearean English. So I think the different ways it changes from show to show is interesting mm -hmm. and sometimes you just enjoy it like i like listening to the music from me and miss so you know if i had a chance to go see it i don't know if i'd see it again because four times is enough but you know maybe if the price was right i'd go see it again and i've played it when kiri Beauchamp did it i played in the orchestra as well and like you said before sometimes you'll you'll see something you you missed the first time oh yeah yeah
like rewatching a movie. Yeah. There's comfort yeah. in that as well. So you, did you just say you were in the orchestra in a particular... For Les Mis. Yeah, so... When Kiri, when Kiri did Les Miserables, I played clarinet. Yeah. Okay, so what's uh, what's your preference then? Was it nice to kind of get back into the orchestra or were you itching uh, to get back up and conduct? I think I would like to play a few more because I've been conducting quite a bit lately. So I'd like to play a bit more. And I don't know when... Well, I don't know when I'm going to get that chance, but... We'll see. Yeah, because then it keeps me, my clarinet and saxophone skills up at the same time, which is clarinet's my main instrument. So. And uh, how did clarinet become your, your main when you dabble in so many different ones? Well, me and I only dabble in clarinet. I play clarinet, sax, and piano. Clarinet and sax are pretty close to each other. Oh, okay. So that's not a big stretch. So my uncle played clarinet and saxophone in a little trio. So in grade five, they started a band program at my school, and... I got my uncle's old clarinet, which was really, really hard to play. In fact, it was so bad, they gave me a school instrument. It was a silver clarinet, which was, you can imagine that. So then the, my parents asked the band director, do you think it's worth getting him his own instrument? He said, if he played on that for a year, yeah, it's worth getting him his own because he stuck with it. So that's how the clarinet thing started. Okay. And then I, when he passed away, I got, I played saxophone a bit before as well going through the years. When he passed away, I got his saxophone. So I use that all the time. The saxophone's older than I am. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, will, I won't ask any further. <laughs> ah, I don't, it doesn't bother me. But it's a great saxophone. So. so what is it about clarinet and saxophone that they're kind of interchangeable? This, they're both single reed instruments, so they need one, one reed to play. The fingering system on all of the woodwinds is similar. Not exactly the same. So the fingering system on the saxophone is like the upper register of the clarinet. The, the way you hold your mouth is similar, not exactly the same, but you know enough that you can get from one to the other back and forth really easily. Like when I can't do the, I can't play flute, I've tried. But a lot of times, like the books for the musicals are written for a person who can play. Uh, in fact, something rotten, my friend who's playing has a flute, piccolo, alto, sax, tenor sax, and clarinet. He has to play all five instruments. In, all, in, one, in one show? In, in one show. He's put them down, pick up another one, put one down, pick up another one. That's really common in Broadway shows. Really? Oh, yeah. So, for example, Guys and Dolls has five reed players. Everybody has to play more than one instrument. Oh, my God. So, like yeah. I... I think the, I think book one of Guys and Dolls, the reed one part, is flute, alto, and clarinet. So when I, did, when I played it, somebody else played flute because I couldn't. Or else sometimes if there's a flute part, I'll write it out for clarinet. Because huh. I can't play the flute. <laughs> My mind is it's blown. crazy. So like... Yeah. So I, we did one show where this friend of mine was playing. I think he had $35,000 worth of instruments on stage with him to play the show. No, no pressure. Like, don't... Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> especially if you're like, put them down, pick them up, put them... Like, oh, yeah. Something could get yeah. knocked over, but you don't... Yeah. Uh, okay, and then you said I would write it out for clarinet. So you guys so, don't have the same... Like, no, the flute... Flute, clarinet... If I play a C on clarinet, it's a B flat on the piano or the flute. Oh so my if the flute has a B, so what? So I'd either write it out, which is not that hard to do, or sometimes <laughs> if it's easy enough, I would just play it, like read it, and just in my head go up a tone. And that's something a lot of people that transposition thing. A lot of people who do jazz, especially, develop that skill. They can play the tune in a whole bunch of different keys just by by ear. And is yeah. it the improvisation so, element of jazz that makes it necessary to have that skill? Partially, yeah, I would say partially, because you, 
they want you playing in a, you got to be able to play in a bunch of key different keys right now there's typical keys for certain songs but you might go to a gig and somebody might say let's play this one in the key of something especially if you're with a singer whose range may be limited one way or the other or else they like to sing high and then you got to move it up for example a lot of broadway shows not a lot are when you get the music for a broadway show in the theater here in sarnia the music was put into a key for the singer they had at that particular show in new york or wherever it happened to be now if that singer wanted in a different key they would have arranged it in the different key normally but we don't get that luxury of getting different keys we get the version that's here so we had to find the person who can fit the music rather than making the music fit the person now you can order it transposed to different keys for different singers but we generally don't do that so is it like i know you have to get the rights to a play when mm -hmm. you when that happens is it that you get the rights to that specific key and then you'd have... Uh, I don't think we're breaking our rules by moving it to a different key if we had to. Okay. That doesn't break it, the rules. But you can, because you can also call them up and they will do the transposition for That's you. That's what you mean by but the they'll charge you. Okay. Yeah, they'll charge you $100 a song. Well, you know, if it's not that tough, then um, sometimes you can either write it out yourself for the people in your group Right. Or whatever, something like that. <clears throat> but we don't change it very much. In fact, wow, I'm trying to think. If we ever, maybe once or twice since I've been doing musicals, have we ever changed a key? It's yeah. just the, the talent pool that's available. It's like, uh, it's not hard to find. Plus, somebody. it's a lot of, or you find somebody you can actually do it. But right. like some keys we get to play in are really tough to play because the singer wanted it in that particular key. Okay. So sometimes it's not that easy. And then, but, you know, the players in New York and wherever the show is, they can do that no problem. Hmm. And I can transpose pretty well from to clarinet. Transposing the saxophone is a bit harder for me because it's not the same number of notes up, for example. Hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that does sound kind of mathematical to me in, in the sense of knowing where to go. A little bit. It's, and again, it's more thought process. Like, so, take Sudoku. Sudoku is not mathematical, but it's logical. Right. Okay. There's no math. Like Sudoku is, re they could have done it with letters A B C D E really? F G H I. Yeah, but Sudoku has no math in it. They put numbers in it, and that so I don't even look. Like I can't even look at it. It makes me nervous. But if they, if I'd have known, they could have done it with letters. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So you could take. Why don't you take a Sudoku and for one use A and go up to G H I would be nine, and then just transpose the things in and do it that way. <laughs> there somewhere i don't know i can't do it oh my goodness that's crazy though that oh my gosh my, yeah. i'm gonna need a nap after this interview because yeah. it's like so much information that i whoo and it's funny people who know music would probably listen to you and go well yeah duh come on dallas oh. get together because i'm over here like what what do you mean yeah. that's great oh that's okay yeah. <laughs> we all have our skills right oh yeah that's awesome. and i it's not so, what's important is knowing what skills you don't have. Yeah, that's actually. I've learned like what I can't do, yeah. and then I don't do what I can't do. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Or else, or else I'll try it and say no, I can't. No, no. <laughs> usually I don't give up, and uh, so on. But yeah. So you're a very tenacious person. Sometimes, okay. yeah. I'll. But if I see something, for example, if somebody asked me to audition for a musical, even though I've always wanted to be on stage, oh. I think. I think I know my limitations, and that's one of them. Wait, but hold on. If you've always wanted to be on stage, like I feel I'm like... I'm too inhibited. What? 
okay, what do we need to do to get you? Because now, like, now I feel like I need to see this. I need oh, to. Boy. There's a dream in there. I think there. I opened up a lot of worms. Well, my dream, my dream role was Nathan Detroit and Guys and Dolls. That was my dream role. Um, it is your dream role, friend. I feel like even in a, like your buddies with Adam, maybe you could do it in a cabaret, uh, a little less maybe, pressure. Maybe, And I don't think I have the greatest singing voice because it's funny as a music teacher, but when I was in grade four, you, in, I had an all boys school. And so you had to audition for the choir. I was a crow. I didn't make the choir. I was out. I was a crow. I wasn't a bluebird. I was a crow. So there you go. So my music career got off to a really bad start. Jeez, oh, it's not confidence supporting to be. Yeah, oh my no, goodness. it wasn't. I don't yeah. know. I just I now I feel like I really would like for you to have that dream come true. Well, I have sung at weddings and stuff, but uh, like I'll play piano. I'll play piano and sing at weddings. I do that. Okay, if people are having you sing at their wedding, Frank. I feel like your singing voice yeah. can't be that bad. Okay, yeah, it's not that bad, <laughs> but it's not. It's not like Adam Forsall's voice or, you know, it's not like Brent Wilkins' Frank's voice or anything like that. Oh. It's not there. Although, I've never taken lessons either, so. Okay, well. I guess if it, came down, if it came down to it, I would work really hard and I would try it. But And also, just the acting part would sort of, like the introspection and what am I doing out here and among all these people? Like, that, I don't know, it would throw me off. Which is really funny because give me an instrument, I have no trouble. Yeah. But doing that, I don't know. I think you'd be a natural. Me. You'd be a natural. Like Ooh. your expressive face, even just a casual conversation over here, your your oh. face is so expressive. Actually, maybe I would have been good in silent movies. In what, sorry? In <laughs> silent, silent movies. movies. Oh, <laughs> come on. Oh, my goodness. I could do the faces then. You got the singing. You're singing at people. I mean, like, having had a wedding... Uh, I wouldn't ask just anybody to sing at it. Um, call me a bridezilla, if you will, but I <laughs> wouldn't have happened. Uh, yeah, and like you've got the music. I think you're selling yourself short, friend. I feel like. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. When it <laughs> happens, you better tell me, and I'll, I'll uh -oh, be there. I'll be ready. I'll yes. be there front oh, no. row, like, woo! <laughs> oh, I know. It'll be the big debut. <laughs> my sisters will be laughing at me. Oh, jeez. Anyway. <laughs> sisters, man. And my, and my wife and my kids are going, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe we're planting a seed right now, and and maybe you know, Ooh. in a couple. Of I think days. my wife would just kill me because I'm I'd be more nights out. Oh, true. She would just yeah, because you know it does get it, it does get especially when we our kids were younger. Say when I in their mid nineties, well I'd be out I might be out doing a show. Well, she got three kids at home. That wasn't the easiest thing to do. So I have to give a lot of credit to my wife, who's. I won't say allow is the wrong word because that involves control, but who, but I'll use it anyway, who's allowed me to do these things that I like doing. Mm -hmm. Giving you the space yeah, like, to do it. Yeah, yeah, in the, the space, support. like music, coaching, soc coaching soccer, which I still do, so, and all that stuff. You're just like a guy of many talents. An hour is well, not enough time. to. We're barely scratching the surface. Well, when you do the soccer podcast, you can have me back on. <laughs> I am the least sporty person. I was uh -oh. I, I was on a soccer team with my, my stepdad and my sister for a very short time. And at the end of the season, my stepdad was like, maybe soccer isn't for you. That was his Well, I still way. coach. I still coach. I've coached my kids in soccer. I still coach. I coach a women's team with oh, okay. a friend of mine. Okay. 
cool. And certainly, uh, and we play in London League, so we do that. Okay. At least yeah. that, that's a seasonal thing, or do you guys practice? Yeah. No, it's seasonal. Okay. But right now it's starting up, but I'm not going to be anywhere near the soccer field till the show's over. Yeah, 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 I suppose. Yeah. So then uh, with a family of three, is music or was music a big part of your household in that capacity as well? Uh, yeah, uh, well, my oldest daughter, Tara, has been in shows with the Imperial. She's, she's been on stage. She's not as inhibited as I am by going on stage. And she played clarinet and saxophone in my school band, as did my daughter, Andrea, who played saxophone in the school band at my, I said Chris. And then when she got to Guelph, she played in the Guelph concert band at university. And my son, well, he actually has a really good voice. Pat has a good voice. He played tenor saxophone, but I taught him in grade, I taught all my kids in high school, but I taught Pat in grade nine and he didn't like the fact that I wouldn't let him talk. So he didn't go past grade nine with the saxophone, but, but I still ended up coaching him in soccer. So we all, yeah. So they're all involved in stuff. And, and what about your wife? Does she get involved in... She started taking piano lessons from Val Schmidt, you know, Val who accompanies a number of the shows I do. Okay. She takes, when she retired, she started piano lessons. So she takes piano lessons with Val, who's been an accompanist for many shows at the Imperial. Okay. And, and does your wife have plans to get involved with the theater stuff or does she leave that more to your side of things? I've tried. I've tried. She said, that's your thing. <laughs> yeah. So she likes sewing and stuff and quilting. She does really good quilts. Like you probably can't, well, there's one she's working on now. I actually wondered. Anyway. I the fabric that's on the on your chair looks like a batik. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's not batik, but she buys it. But she's making a quilt out of it. Yeah. So that's her thing. But she doesn't. She's not interested in working at the theater. She does stuff sewing for at the church and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's lovely. That's really nice. Yeah, but at least she she takes piano lessons and she likes it. Yeah. So uh, we're. I'm just noticing the time, and before I get launched into anything. <laughs> I, uh, I usually, at the end of the show, I like to open things up to the guests so that it gives mm -hmm. you a forum to talk about anything you want. See, it could be a, a side hustle or some something that you're involved in that you want other people to get involved in, a cause, something like that. does not have to be theater-related. Wow. It's whatever mm -hmm. you'd like. Well, I sort of am involved in a bunch of stuff, for yeah, example. Like, like I it. said, coaching soccer. I have a, some friends of mine who are playing a little jazz trio, oh, and I right. played in the Blue Water Big Band. So I like to stay busy, and if I'm not busy, I get bored pretty easily. No, I would encourage anybody to you know, try something at the theater or go see the theater because many people who do go for the first time are surprised about at how good the quality is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love doing what I do. And like when my, I remember when I was retiring from high school, my teacher said to me, or the principal, because he was doing a little speech about that kind of thing, what do you think you've given the kids the most? And and I just said, my time. Because, mm. okay, there's expertise and all that kind of things that go, but if you give them the time and if you teach your kids to, or your students to be able to do things for themselves rather than rely on you to do it for them all the time, mm -hmm. then that's the most important thing you can sh do. Like I've had some students that are pretty successful. I'm not taking any credit for what they, did, what they do now, but the fact I spend time with them, I think even them seeing me do that and spending that time encourages them to spend time doing it with their students or whatever job they're doing. And I think that's really important to be an example for others is an important thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what you do, whether you coach soccer, whether you do anything, to be an example and to see people look at you for positivity as opposed to negativity. And I tend to be a pretty positive person. And I think that's part of it all. 
if you had to go through your life being down all the time, and I understand people have mental illness and other things like that, but just to, you know, if people see you as a positive person, then hopefully some of that will rub off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and time is so valuable if you can give that mm. to someone else. It, yeah. yeah, I think that's very, very insightful, very poignant. Yeah, that to, was my soapbox. <laughs> I love it. I was here for it. I have to ask you, what's the name of the, the jazz trio? Oh, the Brennan Williams trio. Ooh. My friend Dave Williams, he was a music teacher in Forest, and he's played some shows at the Imperial as well. So we play for we play as a duo, we play as a trio, you know, at some we play weddings and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, I, I'm so grateful to you for for carving out some time for me and for indulging all of my questions about. No, music. It's okay. this is great because I thought well it was very relaxed and I like that and I thought well man how am I going to live up to these people you have already had on because you know I'm not bubbly like Cassie was or you know that kind of thing but. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I again, you're selling yourself short. Uh, you're very animated and very insightful, and <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. So, oh, thank likewise. you. Likewise, <laughs> you're welcome. I hope we work together sometime. Maybe you can sing in a show. I am taking lessons um, oh, to try great. and learn, but uh, mostly okay. it's a it's a confidence thing. Um, well, there you go. I mean, the start off in a group. That's the easiest way to do it. Okay. Good yeah, so you can audition for the fall show, which I cannot tell you what it is. I know, that drives but, me crazy. <laughs> like, but just... I can tell you I'm not the music director. Uh -huh, so if okay. anybody out there wants to audition because they don't want to audition being a show that Frank Brennan is conducting, <laughs> then they can, music director for it, they can audition and not worry about it. I would imagine it's the <laughs> other way around. People be like, oh, darn. Um, no, it's okay. The person they have, I think, will do a great job. Okay. I hate that. I can't ask you. I'm like, I know. Looking at your face, I'm like, can I figure it out? Can I figure it out? <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, thank you again. And uh, hopefully I'll see You're you welcome. in real life soon. Yeah, hopefully. Take okay. care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. That's all for this week. Okay, people. I think we need to make Frank's dream of becoming Nathan Detroit on stage come to fruition. Frank, you'd be fabulous. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. See you next Friday.